and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Greetings. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 18, which is titled A Shift in the Night. The episode aired on April 4th, 1996. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Well, going on today is I just got the joke with that episode title. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, but with our headlines, we've got the Cleveland Browns, after moving to Baltimore, officially unveil their new name, the Baltimore Ravens. And for any wrestling fans out there, aka only the three of us, WrestleMania 12 takes place. In the main event, Shawn Michaels defeated Bret the, ha- the Hitman Hart in a 60-minute Ironman match to win the WWF Championship. More sports. MLB umpire John McSherry dies seven pitches. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. This is what happens when I don't read before we do this. MLB umpire John McSherry dies seven pitches into the first inning of a game in Cincinnati. He collapsed due to cardiac arrest on the field on the way to Cincinnati's dugout and was pronounced dead at a hospital less than an hour later. That's really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, That's why I dug deeper into it. I was I was curious about it when I saw that on the 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 events list that yeah. the events page that I used to research. All right, um, the Birdcage is still the number one movie for the box office for the fourth week in a row, and Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion still sits atop the music charts. And this week we've got 33.2 million viewers tuning in. Uh, This week's episode is directed by Lance Gentile. Uh, This is his first of two episodes as a director. We have had him uh, previously as um, a writer on an episode, but this is his first outing as director. Um, This episode was written by Joe Sachs. This is also his first episode uh, as a writer. This is the first of 35 episodes we will be seeing of him as a head writer. So get used to seeing his name. All right. Um, So this episode opens with Mark driving in the pouring rain, trying to parallel park when someone in a nice sports car swoops in and steals his spot. There's many sons of bitches said by Mark during this opening sequence. It's like Um, one of the biggest dick moves you can do in a car. Yep. Especially in Chicago. Yeah. And I'd noted when he comes into his apartment after this, he does not take his fucking sopping wet shoes off by the rug and it's infuriating he just drops his wet stuff in a trail as he's walking into the apartment and it's like you were right there there was a rug right there for your shoes as you came in be an adult gross um and he takes a hot shower and then closes all his blinds and falls into bed just in time for the phone to ring and it's carrie asking if he can come in tonight because someone's mother-in-law died he mentions he's been on three nights in a row. He is not pleased with this. Um, he goes, Carrie, just give the shift to Doug. He could use the cash. And next thing we hear, Mark says, what do you mean whiplash? And the next thing we see is Mark in radiology. And then we move straight over to our first audio of the episode featuring Steve, the radiologist, assessing Doug's neck after Doug was apparently in a car accident. Oh, no. No evidence of fracture or dislocation. Vertebral bodies are in good alignment. There is, however reversal of cervical lordosis suggesting the possibility of acute cervical ligamentous injury my headache just tripled during that dissertation does the name evelyn wood mean anything to you you know doug i like you in that collar it's a good look bold yet spiritual no stop stop dead at the stoplight and this pakistani cab driver plows into me i get out he doesn't speak a word of english i look at his photo id and it's some sandy-haired guy named Kroof. Krumpf? Isn't that kind of a German name? Can I have your shoes? What? 
Can I have your shoes? Mine are sopping wet. Sure, Mark, absolutely, you know? I'll just walk home barefoot in the rain. See, I'm sorry, I would have taken that shit. No problem at all, Doug. I've only worked graveyard the last three nights. Got off at 8 o'clock this morning, drove to Milwaukee to spend the day with Rachel, only to have Jennifer tell me that she got the dates mixed up. See, Rachel, it turns out, is on some brownie troop camping trip. So I drove back three and a half hours this time because of the heavy rain and flooding on I-94. And here I am, refreshed and full of enthusiasm for my work. You on tonight? Uh-huh. Go with God. Yeah, so Mark feels great. Mark's having the best day. Yeah. Oof. Everything's fine. I don't know what he's complaining about. That sounds like a perfectly normal day. So here's my question. Um, Mark asks to borrow Doug's shoes. Doug makes that snotty comment. But then later on in the episode, we find out that Mark is in fact borrowing Doug's shoes. So what the hell did Doug do on his way home? Maybe pulled some out of the lost and found or something, I assume. I Maybe. don't know. Walked home you know, barefoot they... in the rain, like you said. Or they do have that whole closet full of... Uh, dead people clothes? Yeah, dead people clothes for homeless folks to take, so. Ugh. And this is the first time we have seen Steve the Radiologist since um, Men Plan God Laughs from late in season one. So it's been almost a full season since we've seen uh, X-Ray Steve. We've missed him. Yeah. I, I've missed his dulcet tones and his snark. And his drone of medical yeah. jargon. Yes. But then from there we go in with the bangs. So I think yes. we've only had one or two twinkles this season. Yeah, one or two, I think. Uh, but we go right out of the intro into Mark uh, questioning Susan why the halls are full. Uh, there, There's even full beds in the hallway. There's no room to put people in for uh, admit. Susan just says, you know, they're busy. She can't stay because she has dinner with her lawyer, so she won't be able to help cover. Benton is stuck in a big surgery. Of course, we know Doug has an injured neck. So really, this whole episode is basically just going to be Mark. Uh, but after that, Carrie takes Mark uh, through rounds on all the current patients, and it's just one after another after another after another after another, and it just keeps going and going. And you can see Mark just getting more and more thrilled with the situation as each as they visit each patient. And it seems like the entire hot the entire emergency room is full, pretty much. Yes, this is very much a whirlwind of an episode. We don't really stay with any patient particularly long. It's more about just what a frenzied full night in the ER actually looks like. This is one we definitely recommend you go back and watch just because there's so many little details in here and there's so many little scenes that are that are good and we try to touch on as many as we can, but if we try to do every single little thing that's in this episode, we would be here for three hours. Which I'm sure you'd all love, but <laughs> boy... <laughs> I could only type so fast. Um, but from there, we transition into seeing the full waiting room just completely packed with people. Like, it's standing room only, folks. Um, everybody looks miserable. You know, they do a really good job capturing the essence of an ER waiting room at night. Just nobody's happy to be there. Everybody's... Something's wrong with everybody. And I don't remember who mentioned, but somebody just said, been like this since the rain started. I think it's probably Lydia. We get a lot of Lydia quips this episode. But so this one's another one where they're going to comment on the rain a lot. Uh, and then from there, we go over into our second audio of the episode, uh, sort of laying the groundwork for the remainder of the episode. Carter and Mark are working together with the nurses to try and just get this shit organized. LOL, with burned hands, admitted to burn service. Films on that gang kid were negative, sent him home, and the rule out Appy was ruled out and discharged. 
Excellent, Hale. You get three gold stars. Carter? I have sutured the leg lack in four, the knee lack in three, the arm lack in two, and the head lack in one. That's it? All right. We have seven waiting for ICU. Now make it eight. Bounce back hip replacement with DVT and PE. We have 33 in the ER and 41 in the waiting room. Break that 42. Paramedics pulling in with an altered LOC. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, which you will because you have no choice, is to move these folks out so we can move these folks in, okay? I want quick turnover. No big workups, no unnecessary labs, x-rays, or consults. And no comments. Carol, Carter, let's go meet the incoming. Randy, I want a turkey sandwich, okay, from the cafeteria, because Jerry, he's uh, he's not here yet. Sorry, I'm late, and yeah. I can't be responsible for him, Dr. Green. Randy. Come on, Jerry, you're better than that. <laughs> so, yeah, as that first trauma is coming in, uh, Chuni is also coming in. We find out she's uh, running a few minutes late, which Mark makes no, wastes no time in uh, reminding her of. Uh, the first trauma comes in. It is a 15 year old kid named Omar Gandara. Uh, he's drunk out of his mind. Uh, they put him in restraints because he's struggling and hostile. Uh, manages to kick the whole trauma tray over. They have to retie him down. Um, as we said a little bit ago, like we're not really going to stick with any one patient this episode. So we will come back to Omar slightly, but don't expect that we're going to get any sort of like big exposition with any one of these ep- uh, patients this episode. It's going to be pretty much all one and dones. And then we move over from there. Uh, radiologist Steve is breaking down an x-ray with another doctor. And Mark walks by and just is hearing Steve do his normal medical jargon droning. And he just Mark just says, foot's busted. Split him and ship him out. Got to treat him and treat him. Just pulls the film off the thing and it's like, it's busted. Fix it. And Jerry has shown up and Mark gives him a hard time, not because he's late, but because a woman has snuck back to, uh, before her son uh, has been, before her son has bar- been brought back, begging to have to have the son brought back because he has a cut, on, a pretty bad cut on his hand. And then from there we get our next patient who uh, is kind of our first, oh hey, it's that person of this episode. Uh, Mrs. Voti is the character's name. She's played by an actress named Pat Crawford Brown. Uh, she had 181 credits dating back to 1985. Um, none of them stood out to me personally, but I'm sure if uh, you even recognize her face a little bit, I guarantee you if you go back and look at her uh, IMDb, you'll find something in there that you recognize her from. She's in uh, a horrifying Buffy episode. See, there you go. Like, everybody's got, can find something with her on there for, with that many credits. Um, but she's in here for um, weakness in one of her arms, which they think is uh, a potentially a symptom of uh, TIAs, transient ischemic attacks, uh, which can be a warning sign for stroke. Uh, so Mark is pushing to get her to uh, get her admitted for uh, neurology to work her up. Um, so she's another one kind of like Omar that we will come back and touch on a little bit, um, but not go too, 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 too deep on. And speaking of Omar, we actually do go back to him for a little bit. Um, Carol comes in and notes that strangely enough, his talk screen is negative, but he still has altered mental state. And then also a little note, um, he's got a high, what it was a blood pH. Yeah. Yeah, so something's something's strange here, but it's not booze. So we'll we'll see what's going on with that. But the, he's probably one of my favorite little repeat ones this episode, just because it's such a bizarre way to handle it. Um, and then Jerry pops in and says the paramedics are five minutes out with some patients um, of a drive-by shooting. And Mark uh, tells Jerry basically, it's like, go find Morgan Stern. We need to close the trauma, and. You know, he's trying to get his permission before he just makes that unilateral move. 
Yep. Which uh, he should because the ER is fucking, I think is what the term is closest close to saturation. Yeah, that would make sense. They're um, drowning. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way that they can give quality care if there's this much of an influx. Yeah. Um, and then we quick shoot back over. Mark and Carol are still trying to figure out what Omar drank if it wasn't alcohol. So the mystery continues. Uh, and then we pop back over with Carter for a little bit of audio. Um, he's extracting a foreign body from a man's ear when Mark stops by. Really jammed in there. What? I said it's really jammed in there. Carter, what are you doing? Foreign body in the canal. Have him lie down. Do you know what it is, sir? What? A bead. So, Carter, you having fun paying your penance in the ER? Huh. I'm off surgical service. I'm working nights in the ER. What's not to be happy about? Still, it is better than not graduating. I thought Dr. Hicks might suspend me. Believe me, she would if she could help. Huh? Can't believe I was that stupid sneaking off and drinking on call. I can. You're a medical student. Huh. Super glue? Yes, just touch the bead, hit the skin, you're in trouble. Don't, Don't move. move! Dr. Green, paramedics are here. Got it! This episode is one of my favorites just because of all the little moments that Carter and Green have. Yeah, we get some uh, follow-up on his uh, dalliance from last episode. Find out he's gotten put on night shift in the ER as punishment idiot i wonder why he can't be kicked out yeah i would have liked if they'd explored that uh, that little throwaway line a little more like what, what sort of politics is involved with that money yeah i bet daddy has probably donated a little bit of money to the hospital or gammy yeah i mean we'll we'll find out later that's the case but at, for right now dad's still the rich one mm-hmm. yeah we haven't we haven't met his grandma yet have no. we no but uh, we go right out of that scene into the paramedics arriving. Uh, they're bringing in a tiny baby, only 18 months old, uh, has two gunshots to the leg. Uh, they learn from the paramedics that a 14-year-old uh, kid did the shooting uh, and was shot dead by the cops. Uh, paramedic says, I can't, can't say that I'm sorry about it. Uh, leads into this whole, because it was a 14-year-old black kid, it leads into this sort of very upsetting dialogue between everybody in the room about how you know Malik's sort of saying you know well they I guess they didn't mind cops didn't mind they don't need an excuse to shoot a black kid something to that effect uh and Halle responding back that uh he didn't mind didn't much mind shooting this one did he just not not a great not 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 a fun conversation to and and with this I noticed that um all the characters participating in that dialogue, mm-hmm. it um, they were all people of color. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if the writers did that on purpose to make sure that like it wasn't a bunch of white people callously saying it. Yeah, I guess that's the one saving grace about it. It's it's shitty regardless, especially in today's climate. But but uh, in any event, uh, the uh, the 18 month old who was shot uh, has no pulse in the uh, right leg. If right foot is cold, uh, so it looks like one of the bullets hit the femoral artery. So, not great either. Also, is it just me or does this little girl look like way too old to be an 18 month old? Yes, she is okay. Easily toddler size, like two to three years old, I would say. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I was watching this and I was like, do I not know what an 18 month old looks like? I mean, I couldn't tell you, honestly. 
if she's 18 months old, she's a big 18 month old. <laughs> like, okay. She's a big girl. I'll trust your judgment. Um, but then after that, real quick, uh, Jerry pops in to tell uh, Mark that Morgan Stern has given the big N.O. to closing the trauma. Well, shit. Poor Mark. And Mark's like, well, get him down here. Like, we need, we're drowning. We need to, like, I need to talk to him. So Mark's going to continue pushing for that. But in the meantime, Carol has figured out, figured up, figured out what Omar drank. Antifreeze. Um, And it turns out that the treatment to counteract the antifreeze would be ethanol, which they're straight out of. Um, So Carol has ordered some more, but it won't get there for a few hours from a nearby hospital. So Mark, thinking on his feet, says that, um, you know, he saw that another patient had some bourbon and that that would counteract the antifreeze main um, agents and directs Carol to give, um, to dose out the bourbon in specific, um, non, what's the word I'm looking for? Non-toxic? Not non-toxic, non, like, non, it's not going to get you drunk. Yeah. Um, to small enough doses that it'll counteract the antifreeze, but not enough, not enough that they're going to get Omar loaded on bourbon. Um, and Carol's like, can we do that? And Mark's just like better than letting him suffer brain damage and renal failure. So... Bourbon shooters it is, is what she says. Yep. So Mark Mark does a lot of thinking outside the box this episode, and this is a really good example of it starting. Yeah. Well, I think the start of it was the the super glue comment mm-hmm. in the in the ear ear foreign body extraction. No, don't move. But um yeah. So this is Mark continues to to flex his creative doctoring muscles here. And then um we find out that Mrs. Voti was ordered for discharge by neuro. The neurologists would not keep her because she did not meet their criteria. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mark is not happy because he thinks she's at risk. And then we see this little yappy dog in with a homeless woman who seems to be unconscious. And this dog is just snapping at everybody, just sitting on her lap, will not let anybody near her. The cutest grump. (laughs) Very, very sassy dog. And Morgan Stern is here to help, but not really, sort of. Because he immediately leaves after sort of giving Mark a rundown on like, oh, the county's only looking for excuses to put us out of business and save $80 million a year. We can't close to trauma because that would make us look like we can't handle handle stuff. And, you know, it's all about optics with, with the county board of supervisors or whoever the hell uh, manages these things. So, so sorry, Mark. Gotta, gotta grin and bear it. Sucks to be Mark today. And then we see um, we see Peter and a third-year surgical resident who I believe they said was her name was Leung, like mm-hmm. that was her last name or something. But um, he's complaining because of how they did how she did a chest tube placement and how ineffective the placement would be compared to how he would have done it. And we see them putting films on the green trauma board when the room was empty. So maybe it's just all the surgical residents residents downstairs when they're trying to figure out course of treatment they're just sticking sticking random films on the boards and not labeling them with any patient identification but so then morgan stern comes um comes in busts up the argument and takes them both up to the er so they can fix the chest tube together the or thank you um and then after that uh, we cut back over to carter uh he is showing chloe how to read an x-ray while she is sort of waiting around looking for uh, Susan. So let's listen into their conversation. It's called the growth plate. It's a piece of cartilage that doesn't turn to bone until you're grown up. Dr. Green. Order. Chloe. 
Hi, Mark. I, I uh, came here to see Susie, but John says she's not on tonight. No, she isn't. Chloe was curious about how to read an x-ray. I guess the interest in medicine was right in the family, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Junior gymnast in five, fractured patella. Time to break the bad news. Excuse me. Man, that hand is so little. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, probably four or five years old. Little Susie's hand's about that big, right? So Susie probably told you what's going on with us. She uh, mentioned some things. I understand why she's upset with me. I never thought I could change. Why should she? I just want her to see that things are different now, that I'm different now. Did she tell you that I'm engaged? No, she didn't. He's a great guy. Steady, he's as smart as Susie is. He's the only person I've known besides Susie who's ever taken the time with me to get to know me, you know, to, to thought that there was something in me worth finding out. It's really busy out there. I got to get back to work. Hey, Mark, um, the thing is, I, I really miss her. I'm sure you do. And I know it's hard, but as far as babies go, little Susie's doing great. Yeah, I'm, I miss her, too. Wow. There is so much awkward in there to unpack. Mm-hmm. That was exactly my, my tone of voice watching that whole scene. <laughs> just like, ooh, stop talking. And like when she's like, oh, do you think little Susie's hand is that big? I'm like, that kid's probably four or five. You'd have no idea what your kid looks like. No. Are we supposed to feel for Chloe yet? Because I don't. I don't yet. Yeah. Maybe later. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how their the court proceedings play out between her and Susan. Because I honestly don't remember. It was an interesting little bit of a little wrinkle of the dialogue there at the end where, you know, we do the little bait and switch with I miss her. And he's like, that's the best. Like you leaving was the best thing that ever happened to little Susie. She's like, oh, yeah, her too. Like, <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah, this feels a little bit. Um, I mean, I, we can get into it more when we kind of sum up the episode at the end because this one is such a fast moving episode. But I feel like out of all the, the threads in this episode, I feel like this is the one that is the most sort of out of place like this is a scene that kind of doesn't really go anywhere it doesn't really serve much purpose i don't think but we can we can get into that more at the end because this is it for chloe this episode right pretty much yeah what i don't don't think there's more yeah we get a little susan at the end when she comes back for her next shift but this is the end but this is it you, you thought we meant like at all Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. you meant like bobbed for a second and I was confused. No, 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 this is just it for this episode. So to me, it just because, again, we can get in, into it more when we kind of sum things up. But like I kind of almost look at this as like a bottle episode. And this is the only thing that seems to have any sort of legs outside of the episode itself. So it's just just kind of weird to me. But in any event, we go from there to uh, Mark and Jerry talking about the board Um kind of updating the the scorecard from earlier uh we find out that omar is going up to renal um and that they have a psych consult in for him but that psych will probably not get to him for another week so that's great uh we get our next patient coming in uh being brought in by the paramedics um a young man named corky uh comes in with his father uh, a man named lewis etheridge uh who's complaining of sudden chest pain corky maintains that it's not his father's heart that's the problem um and but when pressed further for further details he just says he's not sure he's just sick 
So um, this, I would say, is probably our most in-depth patient of the episode, uh, for better or worse. We, we're going to come back to Corky and his dad a few more times uh, and get a little bit more detail on it. But we're still not going to go super, super deep. Certainly not as much as we normally would. Which I want to know, is Corky the kid's like name? That's got to be a nickname, right? No it one's cruel to enough to name their kid Corky. Corky, Corky Romano? Yeah, but, you know... If your model for I didn't life say it was, is Chris Catan, then you're in trouble. No, I didn't. I didn't say it was a good name. I'm just saying it's a it's a <laughs> it's name. It's happened before. It's happened. Yeah, but in that's the also, '90s, that's a made up character, though. Well, I guess this is a made up character too. Yeah. But like, why the? Yeah. It's probably a nickname. Uh, we move on from there. Doctor Randall from Neurology uh, arrives to ask Mark why he called him down in the middle of the night, and uh, it's about the potential stroke patient, Mrs. Vody. And Dr. Randall reviews, reveals that he discharged her because the HMO won't cover her admission because she does not make, or she does not meet very specific criteria. Because, you know, insurance is wonderful and the best, Amer- best system for healthcare ever. So, like, because she only had, like, three of those, diff- those attacks, you know, recently and not four, they won't cover her. Mm. Even though she's probably still at risk. But, you know. What 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 does Mark know? He's just a doctor. This is this is our uh, the system doesn't work scene for for this week's episode. <laughs> like this is our our glimpse into the dysfunction and the shortcomings of our healthcare system. Uh, but Doctor Randall here is played by uh, another kind of oh hey it's that guy um, Stephen Gilborn is the actor's name. He had appearances in uh, Doctor Doolittle, uh, the Eddie Murphy one. Uh, Alien Resurrection, uh, the Brady Bunch movie, and The West Wing. Um, Just a single episode on The West Wing, though. Um, And he unfortunately passed away in 2009. Hmm. Uh, So we go from there to um, finding out uh, through, uh, I believe, I'm trying to remember who who deduces this. I think it's Carol. uh, Says that uh, Corky's mom has been putting an abuse in her the uh, father's coffee while his dad is still abusing alcohol um, which can cause devastating effects which can be fatal Um, Mark kind of starts to go off on Corky because he knew um, but Carol kind of puts a stop to it and Mark kind of thinks better of it and is like just call the mother and kind of go from there Um, has a very strong reaction to that whole thing Um, we also see the uh mother of the handcut kid show up again she's complaining about him not being seen again um mark again giving jerry the business to keep patients out if they haven't been brought back yet so it's kind of a she's another one that's just a recurring patient that just keeps showing up or i guess mother of a patient yeah she will she's also another one of the system doesn't work uh kind of there's yeah sort of later in this episode but we'll get back to her in a little bit uh for now mark is going out to doc magoo's uh to get a sandwich because the cafeteria was closed um, because of budget cuts, it only closed at 10 p.m. and we and obviously it's later than that. So, um, and you know he's like he gets halfway from the ambulance bay to the to the restaurant and a car crashes right in front of the restaurant. Like uh, one car t-bones another car right into uh the one of the support pillars for the L. And someone someone from the restaurant brings out a fire extinguisher because the car that got hit is goes up in flames. Uh, Mark and Shuni are trying to help the little girl crawl out of the car. Uh, but they are having a, a lot of difficulty with it. Uh, the mother's passed out, and the firefighters are trying to get the doors pried open. Uh, Shep uh, arrives on the scene and tells Mark to let him, you know, let the firefighters get the get the people out of the car. And Carol tells Mark to go dry off and get the trauma rooms ready. So the lovely day 
continues. Uh, so Mark goes in and is headed in the lounge for coffee and dry scrubs. And the lounge is out of coffee filters and paper towel, which Carter comments on because he says, you know, I can't even do that fourfold paper towel trick to, you know, make some fresh coffee. And Mark's just like, son of a bitch, this day can't get any worse. So Mark's like, hold on, I've got an idea. And he looks and there's still the old coffee filter in the machine. So he takes the coffee filter out and starts scooping out the old ground so he can reuse it, which I've been desperate for coffee before. And I've been I've done some ridiculous things to try and make it. I would not even go this far. This is disgusting. And Carter asks, you know, how the hell have you done nights like this all these years? I guess it helps having a family. Mark kind of bittersweetly talks about, you know, when... Jen would come by with sandwiches and they'd eat in the waiting room between patients, which was really gross. And then they both take a sip of that coffee that they made, which it would not have been made that fast. No, they're, they put their mugs up directly under the, the spout oh, was coming okay. out. It's not coming into a, uh, into the pot. Carter puts that in after they both get their cups. Gotcha. But, I so. missed that part. But, um, they both just make faces like they drank mud and they're like, that's fucking foul. That was a mistake. So we go, we follow Mark over. He is now uh, suturing up the hand. He's suturing up the, the woman with the dog. Um, and you know how sometimes, like, stuff just, just random shit just stays with you. Random lines from songs or from movies or from TV shows. This is one of those, t- this is one of those lines that ever since I saw this episode when I was a kid, it is just this, the, fr- the one of the phrases has been, st- has been burned into my memory. So let's, it's very quick. So let's listen to it. It's a lovely little pup you got there, Mrs. Uh, uh, excuse me, Ms. Deeksley. Absolutely charming. Hey, Stinky, want a few little stitches? Shut that yappy little mouth of yours. You're not a dog lover, huh? This is not a dog. This is a small furry object suitable for punting. Mm-hmm. I bet you can't get him over that desk back there. Don't tempt me. A small furry object suitable for punting. <laughs> That has stuck with me, and I have used that on so many occasions, just it's, as normal, just as a joking way to describe a dog for 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 multiple decades now. It's your here comes the pretzels. Yeah, which is also a phrase I say a lot too. That one sticks in my head like nobody's business. That's all I had. Nothing else super super relevant to the episode overall, but just I, I, that's I I just love that Mark's fucking talking to the dog. in front of everybody just like it's graveyard shift he's clearly losing his mind um and then the woman in that scene that you know says hey i bet you can't get him over the desk we find out that she's a lap dancer and she slipped off someone's lap and cut her butt on the spurs of his shoes so that was just a highlight patient (laughs) just wow it is kind of it is a fucking full moon graveyard shift for everybody um we don't we don't hear it's a full moon but with the kind of patience they're getting tonight it wouldn't surprise me um and then jennifer calls mark on the phone because rachel is sick she had to come home from her brownies trip because she's ill and jennifer's asking what the fuck to do and it's like it's a it's a common like stomach bug probably she didn't need to call her husband at work her ex-husband at work not a big deal mark's like get her on clear fluids put her to bed and they just start sniping at each other and finally he hangs up because the um the car accident victims are finally brought in um and one of the the little girl is uh who we see first she's screaming and crying out on the gurney and we find and we find out that uh shep uh while doing the extrication broke her leg Ooh. and broke it pretty bad apparently 
I'm sorry, but good use of the word extrication. I, like I have that. a verbose lexicon. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and Shep's like really apologetic as he's he's like, but I got her out. Are you still proud of me, Mom? <laughs> like I'm having a real rough couple months here. I got the little girl out. What do you want? Um, and then so we go from you know they're stabilizing the little girl, and then they quick do a pan through to the other trauma room where Carter is trying to work on the mom. And I noticed here that this is a, one of the greatest examples of the good moving camera shot back and forth between the two traumas where you have to think about how hard this was to choreograph for the people in both scenes, because that camera is just fluidly going between both rooms the whole time. Now we start getting some cuts in here, but the mom is coding They've paged men to come work on her, and they're going to use a rib spreader because they think a rib punctured her heart, so they need to obviously plug that hole if as best they can, um, you know, down in the yard, because obviously she won't make it up upstairs. Uh, so they, yeah, crack her ribs open, and with all the lovely noises that are attached to that <laughs> all the time, just, ugh. Then, you know, continuing, continuing the sort of, like, un- untraditional non-traditional medicine uh mark takes a catheter fills it up like puts it into the hole in her heart and has malik fill it up with just a little bit of saline to put pressure on the hole to keep it stabilized and then they shock her heart and bring her back this is actually something that they do for um injuries with like arteries and stuff oh they do yeah where it's it's a specific um kind of catheter that's used for intravenous stuff if i if i understand correctly well they simply they say like the normal foley catheter which is normally fair you know one that one that's put into your bladder fair that's why i thought it was not more non-traditional you're right it is non-traditional in in the specific equipment used and the fact that it's her heart yeah but um i believe the like cardiovascular procedures have been known to use different catheters and the whole balloon methodology yeah. to try and help with yeah normally stuff. normally you see it like when we've seen it on the show before it's been um with like artery injuries yep not like a hole in the heart itself <laughs> so it's but, more for arterial tears yeah. and stuff but she is taken up to the or and hopefully she'll be okay and then um mark gives peter a ton of shit about not showing up right away because they paged him twice and peter didn't get down until just then Peter's like, I was busy. I had a surgery. And Mark's like, and no other residents could have closed up for you so you could get down here. And then um, after that, Lydia is heard saying, maybe the rain will keep the people home. Just <laughs> so hopeful. LOL. Then after that, you have the nurses uh, watching the clock as it ticks ever so slowly to 2 a.m. That's when the bars are. That's when last call at the bars is, is in Chicago. So... All the bars are going to start closing, and they start, like, they're going to get getting in their cars, driving drunk, causing accidents. More work for us. Uh, and then we quick see Steve, radiologist Steve again. That's sighting number three in one episode after not seeing him for a really long time. This no. time it's just in passing, though. Yeah, just in passing, but still. <laughs> that's a lot of Steve. I hope he got a good paycheck for this episode. So we go from there. We finally get uh, the crazy hand injury um mother uh her and her son finally make it back uh her son's name is danny 
Uh, and just as uh, Green is about to start working on his hand, we uh, he gets pulled away by Carol, who needs him in the trauma room next door. Uh, we see that uh, Corky's mom has arrived, um, and she is beat to shit. She has a huge, like, grossly purple shiner on her eye. Um, you can tell this is probably not the first time this has happened. Um, he goes in kind of in full Doug mode, like he's ready to, you know, go in all all guns blazing and tell her why what she was doing was so wrong. And then she kind of immediately disarms him with her appearance and then her kind of defeated demeanor. And she's says that it's not that I want him to die. It's just that when he drinks, it can get pretty bad. So that Mark has to, you know, kind of shift gears a little bit and go into, you know, like there are places we can put you you know where you and your son will be safe and he tells her that you know i'm legally obligated to inform the police and she's like she's heard all this before it's clearly this is not the first time this has happened and um she doesn't have much confidence that the system is gonna protect her so it's it's a very very sad scene and a very sad situation mark just kind of there's not much more he can do at that point so he just kind of turns and leaves and as he's leaving he asks carol to get x-rays on the mother's face and to clean up the abrasions um and that's pretty much where we leave this one so like i said that's kind of our most in-depth patient of the episode and we even still don't do as much as we normally would then after that mark goes back over to stitch up the boy with the hand uh cut and turns out he can't because it's been longer than six hours and the risk of infection is too high so which obviously, much to the dismay of the mother, after trying to get him back for you know hours at this point to be seen, uh, so instead Mark unfortunately has to give him antibiotics and he has to come back in three days for a delayed closure. Which I so like he just comes back in three days when it's partially healed and then they stitch it up. That something seems weird with that. I don't know. I don't know medicine well, <laughs> but. Something something about that seems wrong. Something seems like there would be a lot more chance of infection if you let him be out in the wild for three days with a pretty bad cut on his hand. I guess the, the unspoken part of that would be to keep it covered and keep it washed out. I guess. And, yeah. But then if there hasn't been a, you know, if there's no sign of infection after that many days, then they can, because the healing process is already kind of started at that point. But yeah, I don't know. It's sort of another little sort of the system doesn't work. Because he had to be waiting for so long in the in the waiting room with this cut. And then Loretta is back um, with her son, who is sick with a fever and puking his guts out. And it's little Anakin. <laughs> it's still Anakin Skywalker. It's still Anakin Skywalker. Um, and he's really embarrassed because he puked twice in the waiting room. But um, Mark says it looks like it's just a normal stomach bug and to just not give him anything for six hours and then slowly start him on clear liquids and maybe... Um, push him up to toast with applesauce if he can handle the clear liquids. He actually gets some lines yeah. this episode. I don't think he's spoken before. Are you an angel? <laughs> I'm gonna get up and fucking leave you two to finish this show on your own. <laughs> he's probably, I mean this is April of 96. I'm gonna guess he's probably only about a year away from getting cast as Anakin. Because they, I know they filmed a lot of that way before, like the movie comes out in 99 so I bet they were filming during 97 and 98. I think it was mostly 97 from what from documentaries I've seen, but still. So yeah, it's only like a year away. He doesn't have from his, his bowl cut yet. Yeah, so. from his life being ruined. So That poor kid. Uh, look, he did his best, okay? <laughs> so then after that, Mark has just, he's had enough. He's loading up carts with a 
bunch of supplies and they are going to take care of the waiting room just to go through patient after patient after patient after patient they are grabbing up all a bunch of supplies and they're gonna treat all of the minor cases out there so that they don't need to be like charted and brought back like obviously they already have like information on them and what's wrong with them because they've all been triaged but you don't need to come back for like a minor cut you don't need to come back just because you have a little you're a little sick to your stomach you don't need to come back just because your elbow hurts necessarily so they just go out carter and mark are just going rapid fire person after person giving orders to the nurses and just doing the treatments where they can, you know, putting up, putting band-aids on, taking blood pressures. And, Mark, and one of the patients is having uh, problems downstairs. And uh, Mark says to Halei, Halei, do you think we can do a pelvic in the waiting room? Her face immediately after he says that too, is just like one of horror. Obviously he's kidding. Now here's my question. If they're all out here doing this, who's taking care of the patients in the back? I think the point is just to power through as many of these people as they can while they wait for because like a common th- another thread throughout this episode has been like it's taking forever to people get for people to get x-rays for people to get uh blood work back for people to just to get consoles from different services so yeah everything's pretty much at a standstill in the actual er so they're trying to trying to get the people out so that they're not waiting for eight or ten hours yeah. out in the waiting room once they take the mother with the um, hole in her heart, like once they take her up to the OR, I, I think that leaves us with a pretty stable group of patients that are hanging around. Like they're all either asleep or, you know, like Lizzie said, waiting on tests. So they're safe to be kind of left to their their own devices for a little bit while they clear out yeah. the waiting room. And it's not like there aren't nurses floating around. He said there's nurses and other unnamed residents floating around. So it's not like they're completely unattended. But um, in any event, we, we keep kind of floating around the waiting room here, seeing different patients. We have um, Mark relocating a ligament in a little girl's arm. You know, he's, he's very sweet with her and, and then also to explaining what he's going to be doing um, with the mother. You know, so he's like, I'm going to need to relocate this ligament. It's going to hurt a little bit. She's going to cry, but it she'll be OK. Um, so he just does good with that. Um, they have a little boy who gave his little brother some batteries. Uh, he swallowed them. So um, they're thinking this is one that'll need to be admitted. But just before they do that, Mark swipes the metal, de- the handheld metal detector off of the sec- one of the security guards and just hands it to Carter and says, just check and see if you can find it with that. And he finds it, finds out that it's already past the uh, diaphragm, which apparently is a, a signal that it's past all of the really really dangerous areas and that he's likely to just pass it on his own um, so we get a good good outcome with that one um, we get probably our most like in-depth patient during this whole kind of rapid fire around the room um, it's a, a older woman comes in with sudden blindness um, mark suspects that it's psychogenic um, they bring out this um, i can't remember what the tool is called but it's basically like this spinning it's like the drum yeah it's like a spinning drum and it has like black and white panels on it and basically the the tell is that if her eyes move when the thing spins then she's faking it so they bring that out her eyes do move as it spins so they're that confirms the psychogenic suspicions uh he 
explains to the patient, you know, he's like, well, I'm going to give you some eye drops that will, that, that'll help your vision. And so he has her tilt her head back and gives her these eye drops that are probably just normal visine or something. Um, and she's like, oh man, this is so much better. I can see right away. Like it's a little blurry, but it's so much better. And Lydia just kind of leads over to Carter as he's doing this and is like, you always give the patient a way out. Um, so it's just a, it's, it's a cute little aside here. Um, the patient is played by an actress named Catherine Justin, um, who you may recognize from shows like Desperate Housewives or uh, The West Wing, um, as well as uh, Wedding Crashers, the movie. And I just wanted to mention, too, like one of the, my favorite parts about this scene is the like score in the background. Like they do like this really soft, gentle kind of almost remix of the usual show music. Um, as he's going through and it, like it just really underscores kind of how in his element Mark is in this whole scene and I just really appreciate that good catch um no I just wanted to say seeing that drum on tv was bad enough if they ever put one of those in front of me I'm punching someone <laughs> I wanted to puke so bad just watching that spin on the tv I was like yeah no I could see that your girl has vertigo don't put that anywhere near me <laughs> um and then uh Mark gets uh puked on by a kid and then uh we notice right in the scene like the after the cut right after that uh there's no puke on his shoes hope somebody got fired for that blunder yeah good. hope so good catch lizzie i found a continuity error yay am i cool yet yes <laughs> awesome you you have earned your spot on the podcast hooray um and then this is a really cute thing um carter's sitting with a gen- an older gentleman who's in a wheelchair and he's trying to ask like what's wrong you know what's going on where does it hurt what's what's the situation and this guy's just non-responsive just kind of staring blankly and then um mark walks by and it's like hold on just a second and takes his stethoscope puts the stethoscope in the guy's ears and carter talks into the the metal pad of it and all of a sudden the guy's like it's my back that hurts not my shoulder it's my back and like it's completely responsive and with it so it just turns out that he was a deaf gentleman that maybe didn't have his hearing aids with him but yeah so it's just a very sweet moment and like great ingenuity on mark's part yeah then it sort of like fades like after him it sort of like fades out like you see less and less and less people in the waiting room until eventually it's basically empty and the nurses are uh going over to the vending machine and carol's buys everyone some candy and we noted there's actual brand name stuff in this <laughs> vending machine now there's doritos there's snickers there's crunch juju fruits yeah they lost that sweet dunkin donut sponsorship but they managed to get crunch bar yes now i want a crunch bar <laughs> but yeah lydia eating a snickers just looks just looks so happy and yes they survived everybody survived the night exciting yeah, and we, so we start wrapping up here um, as Mark is going into the lounge to get his stuff together. He passes uh, Peter coming out the door, and you know he kind of stops him and says, "You know, we're gonna have to find some way to work together," um, which I guess is based off of like their earlier, you know, kind of issues in this episode, and I guess a little bit of the stuff from last week's episode with Benton deciding to tell that patient about what Doug had missed. It, it just it seems strange that they would make a point of these two have a problem that they're working through. Um, it's, it's just kind of a weird moment, but I guess we'll see if they pick that up as we go forward. But once we get inside, um, Susan is back. Uh, she's coming in for her next shift. Find out that it did not go well, her dinner with her lawyer. She had to fire him uh, because he 
basically was honest with her and was like, he thinks Chloe might have a case since she's the birth mother and her situation and her home life seems to have supposedly stabilized. So that's obviously not what Susan wants to hear. So it's, it's kind of left ambiguous as far as whether, you know, that's the guy really wasn't cut out for the case for her or if she just didn't get the answer she wanted. And so she fired him, but Uh, clearly we're going to get more movement on the Susan Chloe situation as we go along. I just noticed in this one, this is just a little side note. They comment on the weather throughout it. And we always joked in the beginning that the, the episodes where they do the weather comments are some of our favorites or just, that's a nice little tidbit that they always do. That becomes a very ER thing. Like we mentioned that in the pilot. And so it was just nice here to see them constantly talking about the rain throughout this episode. It's a low key weather episode. Yeah, because yeah. it's something that we always joke is such an ER thing to do. Um, then we close off the ep- we close out the episode with a little bit of a little bit of nice audio between Carter and Mark in the ambulance bay. Thought it would have stopped by now. Yeah. Tonight was great. The waiting room. When I started med school, that's what I thought it was gonna be like. Really helping people. At least that's what I thought it was supposed to be. That is what it's supposed to be. What are you gonna do today, Carter? I don't know. What are you gonna do? (laughs) I don't know. And then they run off into the rain with the world's weirdest freeze frame, freeze frame ending. Yeah, that was a bizarre, like, after school special wrap up. Mm hmm. Yeah, that we don't do a lot. And yeah, I was super like they, put off by that. They should have done a midair jump with their heels like <laughs> clicking as as the freeze frame happened. Yeah, with them high fiving. Yeah, umbrellas touching gingerly. <laughs> oh God, let us gingerly touch our tips. You said it, so I didn't have to. <laughs> I really like this one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely a step up after the last week. After last week's sort of like was all last week was also sort of chaotic, but like. Yeah. In a bad way. This one was chaotic in a good way. This one was like blizzard chaotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I think this one works because it's chaotic, um, but it is rooted in a soul focus. Um, yes. You're, this is a green episode. Like, th- I would argue this is the green episode short of Love's Labor Lost. Like, this is the best example of why Green is good at what he does. Um, he is totally in his element. Even though he, even though he starts out the episode very overwhelmed and very frenetic, um, by the end he kind of takes everything by the reins, and we get to see what he's really good at and why he is, why we're why we're supposed to think of him as like the doctor, and um, like especially that that whole waiting room scene at the end. Like I said, my favorite part of that is the the like kind of gentle underscored tones underneath of it. Like it was very like. Again, a lot of this stuff is is more emotional in hindsight because of what we know about where his character goes. But much like with um, that uh, Carol's wedding at the end of season one, where we get to see him and Doug and Carol and everybody being happy and everything, and that kind of had a different connotation now that we know the full story with Green. This was a similar thing. Like, now that we know the full story with him, it's, um, it's like bittersweet because it's like it's so cool to get to see him in his element and just doing the damn thing. Um, and seeing Carter be kind of like in awe of that. And you could see almost like him learning by osmosis from that. And it was just, I don't know. It's a, 
I really, really like this episode. It's different. It's I would argue it's probably one of the more different episodes we've had of anything so far. And I really enjoy it because of that. It's very much a Mark setting the tone episode. Like, not to name drop our own show, <laughs> but, like, that's very much the feeling yeah. of, like, he's like, all right, this is a shitty situation. I'm in a shitty mood, but I'm going to make the best of it and we're going to get shit done. Yeah. yeah. And the buck stops with me, so I have to do what I can. Right. Yeah, it's really good. And Daniel, I'm so glad you gave us the heads up about how busy of an episode it Oof. was. Because if I had gone into this note session not knowing it... Yeah, I do not envy you I, having I to take the notes for this. <laughs> I would have... I You know, we, we do a pretty good job, Lizzie, and I have a great system for when to pause and when to go. And Lizzie is the TV remote controller, so I can focus on typing. But this one, I was just like... I I would have been ripping my hair out if we hadn't had a good warning. But I liked it. I think I think it's one of the more solid later season ones that we've seen so far. Yeah, it's definitely. I think it's. I think it's probably top three of my of the season so far for me. Probably number three. But the problem is, the problem is for me when we talk about these episode ratings is when we get to this part in the season we've seen so much that it's just like in one eye out the other because there's so much information we process each week. So I can just give a gist of like this is kind of where it falls, but. Aside from those few standout episodes, I'm not going to be able to tell you, like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see, whereas I specifically remember, like, I think I would put this behind uh, Hell and High Water and mm. Baby Shower. God, my... those were this season. Yeah. <laughs> see, and for me, I think it would it would fit somewhere between Hell and High Water um, and The Healers, and then this one, um, with Baby Shower probably coming in, slotting in right behind it at four. Like, it's, it's definitely... I, I think what this one will win for me is most surprising episode like most from where i thought it was going to go at the beginning to where we eventually ended up um because like based on just the premise of this episode it has filler written all over it like if you just read the synopsis you'd just be like that sounds like a filler episode but by the end of it you're like damn that was really good so kudos to them agreed all right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, which we should have the second season one coming up here just in just about under a month now. Uh, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, uh, and two-week early, a- two early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie commentaries, where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we take a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Laura, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me live tweeting the second banana conspiracy theory and also (laughs) trying really hard not to spoil our upcoming interviews at my personal Twitter, at lobob92345. Which you should have access to. Uh, everyone should have access to Troy Evans at this point. Yep, Troy Evans yeah. should be up by now, and there's so much more good stuff coming behind that, like both stuff that we've already recorded and stuff that we know is coming. So if you haven't joined on Patreon yet, now is the best time. I can't wait. 
And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer. That's G-A-M-3-R. As well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, uh, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Andromeda. New episodes of that are out every Friday. Simply search the Popular Court Andromeda on YouTube, and the playlist and, and or individual video should pop right up for you. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.